Well, here comes a time where I ask if you brought something with you. Did you bring your Bible today? Whether it's paper, digital, oh, they're already up in the air online. You know, you throw them up in the air and say, I got my Bible, PK. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm so glad that you do. Um, we are starting a new series today. Um, we, are, we finished up 1 Corinthians a couple of weeks ago. And we're starting a series on gratitude. And today we're going to open up in the book of Psalms, Psalm 69 specifically. It will be up on the screen in just a few moments when we get to it. But if you want to turn there, put your finger there so you're ready, that would be fantastic. We're starting this series on gratitude and I love this season. I love the holiday season as it's approaching. It's a fantastic time of the year. But I'm wondering if any of you are like me. I'm wondering if any of you, when it's midsummer and you're going to the store, and all of a sudden you see fall decorations lining the aisles of the retail stores, you get frustrated. Anybody? Like, what's going on? Yeah, okay. Okay, how about this one? You're a fan of the pumpkin spice latte and pumpkin spice creamers, but it comes out before the first day of fall. That bother anybody too? I mean, I love pumpkin spice, um, but before the first day of fall, it's kind of odd, right? Okay, or, or September rolls around, school's going, and you go to the store in September, and all of a sudden you smell cinnamon. You see some twinkling lights and some Christmas trees, and you're like, wait a second, is it, what month is it? Where am I at in my year? Did I miss something? Did you know? I know time moves fast, but this is ridiculous. I know oftentimes we're celebrating our anniversary, June 26th, right? June 26th comes around and I might be posting a lovey-dovey post on Facebook or something about how much I love John, and all of a sudden this guy hops out at me. <laughs> Six months until Christmas. Anybody seen Buddy the Elf like halfway through the year going, Six months till Christmas? Oh boy, I'm so excited. Like, really? Come on. You know, we rush. We rush to get to the season. And, and now, here's the thing. <laughs> we often skip right over Thanksgiving, right? Anybody ever said, man, we just skip right over Thanksgiving? Fall is here, and then we're right to Christmas, and where's Thanksgiving, right? I'm not going to put out a single Christmas decoration until the day after Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> we skip over the season of thankfulness, it seems like. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Christmas absolutely love Christmas. And we love Christmas here at Oak Ridge. Absolutely love it. And we love celebrating Jesus's birth. But I think that skipping Thanksgiving, if that's what we're doing, right, the holiday, is not something that we just do when the holiday approaches, but skipping Thanksgiving is something that we do in our daily lives. Think about it. We often get bogged down with a rush schedule, we overfill our calendars. We jump ahead and we forget what day, week, month, or even year it is. <laughs> we forget to pause and we, sk we skip over pausing and reflecting and resting and being thankful for all the things that the Lord has provided us with for that day and in our lives. One year I was rushing around so fast during the holiday season that all of a sudden it ended up being Christmas. We had this big Christmas kind of uh, production program at the church and it was the day of that program and I'm getting ready, rushing around, getting all the stuff set up. And Jillian was about five years old, our daughter, and, and she was over in the corner. I turned and I looked and she was over in the corner where the simple nativity set was on the stage. And she had this look of wonder and awe 
and she was taking the blanket over the doll that was Jesus, and she tucked Jesus in and started singing Jesus a lullaby. And I was convicted. I went, oh my goodness. I have spent the last several months planning for this moment, and I have not stopped once to thank, be thankful, not once to ponder and reflect on the goodness of Jesus being sent for us. And I was like, wow, where is that gratitude? Where is that season? I just skipped right over it, over it in my busyness. And I think we do this. And when we do this, instead of being rejuvenated, rested, filled with joy and hope facing each and every new day, our hearts become troubled and even defeated as we try and stay, fight to stay caught up in life. And we feel anxious, frantic, as situations spiral out of our control. And we wonder what, what we are missing when our lives are so seemingly full. We can't skip the practice of gratitude. That's why I think it's so important for us to focus on this for a few weeks. We need Thanksgiving not just once a year, but as a daily practice in our lives. So today we're beginning time to set apart, to reflect on what it means to be grateful, what it means to stop and to be truly thankful, to express appreciation to our Savior and to just think about all that he has blessed us with. Because when we do this, what it happens is it instills joy, true appreciation, peace, and power in our lives. And we all could use some more of that, I think. So today, specifically, we're going to take a look at how to begin defeating a troubled heart. Because we all, if we're honest, I think this morning, struggle from time to time with symptoms of a troubled heart. And so today, we want to try and tackle that with gratitude. And so we're going to turn to the Psalms. We're going to turn to a Psalm of David, um, Psalm 69. We're going to take a look at what he writes and it, use it as kind of a prescription. You're going to go home with a prescription today in your hands to practice, to try and, try and work out um, this problem of having a troubled heart. So let's go ahead and begin here, if my clicker will work. It's not working. <laughs> I want it up on the screen for you all. Hold on one moment. Could it be the batteries? Oh, it's up. All right, you ready? Okay. David writes, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters and the floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. Oh, I think the clicker might be working now. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies without even cause. Those who seek to destroy me. I am forced to restore what I did not steal. You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in you not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek you not be put to shame because of me. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal... 
passion for your house consumes me and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. When I weep and fast, I must endure scorn. When I put on sackcloth, people make sport of me. Those who sit at the gate mock me and I am the song of the drunkards. We're going to stop there at verse 12. Not real encouraging, right? <laughs> David's in a, in, in a tough spot. He has a troubled heart, and we've all had symptoms like David. Um, and he's often called, he is called a man after God's own heart, right? And we too can be women and men after God's own heart and still struggle with troubled heart symptoms. We, we are like David in this. And, and that is because I think a lot of times why we have these troubled heart symptoms is things that we expect, outcomes that we desire, don't always happen, Right? They, they fall short of our expectations. They don't occur the way we want it. And we are left wondering why and fighting for those outcomes to actually become reality. I'm thinking about Thanksgiving dinner. Let's think about this, right? Maybe if you're like me, you're already thinking about Thanksgiving dinner, what you're going to cook, what you're going to eat, what you're going to serve, who you're going to have over. Maybe you're not. I don't know. You know me. I like to cook. I'm a foodie. Okay, so I enjoy that. And what is the centerpiece for most people's Thanksgiving meals? What sits at the center of the dinner table? Turkey, turkey right? Oh, yeah. The turkey. The golden brown crispy skin, the juicy meats and all those sides that go along with it and the gravy and all oh, the stuffing, right? We all desire to have the perfect turkey. Sorry, I'm making you hungry. But <laughs> we all desire, as a cook and as the recipient of the meal, we all desire that juicy crispy skin turkey, right? Well, sometimes what we expect doesn't always happen. If you remember a certain movie, you know, like perfect on the outside and on the inside, it's dried and hollowed out, right? Sometimes our expectations don't become reality. But we don't, you know, yeah, hopefully that doesn't happen for you all. My prayer is that you don't have a dry turkey. <laughs> what we expect, a desired of ours, does not always become reality. And I think we see David in one of these moments. What he wants, what he expects, what he wants to feel is not, is not there. It's not happening. Have you ever felt, I'm wondering, like David this morning, he goes through a whole slew of troubled heart symptoms that he's going through. He talks about drowning. In verses 1 through 2, he, he says, The waters have come up to my neck. There's no foothold. I've, I've come into deep waters. The floods are engulfing me. Have you ever felt like you're drowning, like you can't catch a breath. David did too. Have you ever felt tired? <laughs> Verse three: I'm worn out for call, out, worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. I'm worn out. I'm I'm calling for you, God, but you're seemingly not answering. I'm looking for help, God, but but you're not answering. I'm worn out. I'm tired. You feel like you're searching for God. But you just can't see him. He, David felt that way. He, he felt that way. He, he says um, in verse 3, my eyes fail looking for my God. You ever feel like you're looking for him in a situation and, and you just can't see him? You're trying, but you just don't understand if he's there or not. This all leads to disappointment. Have you ever felt disappointed? 
disappointed in a situation, disappointed with the stage of life, disappointed with anything, that can trouble your heart. That's a troubled heart sim- symptom. In verse 4, he goes on to say that people hate him without reason. That no, They outnumber the hairs on his head. His enemies without cause, they're out to destroy David. Do you ever feel like everyone is against you? That the world is out to get you? That everyone is out to destroy something that you're trying to do? He even goes on to say that he is forced to restore what I did not steal. To me, that sounds like David is trying to, he's constantly playing the role of peacemaker. He's trying to restore something that's broken, and he's trying to fix it, and it's really not his fault, but he's trying to bring peace to a situation. Do you ever feel like you're constantly trying to be a peacemaker, and peace isn't happening? The situation, situation isn't being resolved. David has been there. Five, he says, God, you know my folly, my guilt is not hidden from you. Have you ever felt guilty? Has guilt from what you are doing or from what you have done riddled, like just been overwhelming and consuming and has troubled your heart? Have you ever felt guilty even though you're forgiven? Do you ever worry? Are you ever anxious? He's worried that something that he is going to do is going to cause someone else to stumble, someone else to fall. And there's lots of reasons we can worry and we can be anxious. It's a troubled heart symptoms. In this case, he's worried that something he does is going to cause a brother or sister to fall away from the Lord. But there's many reasons we can worry and be anxious in our life. Finally, do you, do you ever feel like an outsider or ignored? David says, even to his own mother's children, his brothers and sisters, he feels like a foreigner on the outside, that he's shunned, that he's ignored, that he's completely left out, that he's mocked. Have you ever felt persecuted like an outsider, a foreigner, even in your own family? Do you feel like your passion for the Lord is shut down, ignored, or shunned? Maybe you feel some of that this morning. I'm willing to bet that some of you do. (laughs) I would encourage you, there's a space in your bulletin. Write down whatever it is right now, write down in that space. And I know that it might be a little bit nerve-wracking if you're sitting next to somebody and you don't want them to see, but I would encourage you, write it down. Because I want you to physically acknowledge what is troubling your heart. So you can begin the process of the prescription of what's coming next, of giving that to God. Because let's face it, we can't live without expectations. It's in our humanity. It's, it's what, it, it makes us up, right? We have expectations. We have desires. But we're going to fall short of these expectations. It's going to happen. The reality is, is that desired outcomes don't become a, a reality, don't happen sometimes. Um, we thought that the pandemic would be over and back to 100% normal by now. Um, yeah, here we are, right? Um, Maybe we got counseling as a couple, and and years later, we're still struggling with the same issues. We expected to be over it. Uh, um, Maybe you you got sober for several months, and and you thought, hey, I am completely free of this addiction, and something happens, you get triggered, and you're back to drinking again. Maybe maybe you stopped watching porn, or maybe you you stopped reading these romance novels, and, 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 but something during the past year you got bored and 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 you got triggered or something and something came across and you clicked 
on a screen or you opened up a book and now you're back to doing it. What you expected, you expected to be done, but because of a weird season, because of temptation, you're back in it again. You take a vacation to relax, to experience peace, to have joy, and you come back to a greater mess than what you left it. <laughs> right? Maybe you feel guilty or dirty because of past abuse. And when you came and you found the Lord, you thought, people said, hey, you are worthy of God's love. You're going to experience God's love. Everything is going to be so much better now. And, and years later, you're still feeling guilty. You're still feeling dirty from the past, even though you were told that things were going to get better. Maybe you expected a promotion instead. The new kid on the block got a position. Maybe you had faith that God was going to provide exceedingly more than what you thought. And, and maybe things keep falling short. And you're left wondering why. Examples of troubled heart symptoms. Examples of the situations that give us troubled hearts. So, so what do we do? What do we often do when we're in these situations and our hearts are troubled? Well, well what we do is we often turn to things to try and numb the pain, disappointment, and discouragement. We overfill our calendars so we don't have time to think about the difficulty. We turn to addictions to numb the emotion. We shut down. We ignore and push out and, or push aside and push forward. We don't dig deep and actually address the issues. A lot of us get angry and even at God. Some of us mask the disappointment by filling our lives with unhealthy practices. We don't sleep enough. We eat poorly. We don't exercise. Hey, I'm just so you know, I'm not pointing fingers. If any, you know, I'm back at myself, okay? Some of us just keep swimming and keep on swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming until we mentally or physically break down and we just can't take it anymore. And we don't know what to do or where to turn to. Some of us just simply want to quit. And what happens in this process is we become disillusioned with God. We start to believe in an outright lie from the enemy that says that God is less good than what we had once believed. Is he really a good, good father? This, of course, is an outright lie from the enemy that he wants us all to believe and to quit in the process of believing it. What if I told you today that none of these things we've been trying or some of us have been trying, maybe not all, um, they, they don't work. <laughs> They're not the prescription for symptoms of a troubled heart. Would you agree that these are probably not the solutions we need to be seeking this morning? If I were a doctor, would I prescribe any of those things to you? Would I tell you to quit? No, I wouldn't. And as I was preparing and praying this week, and this week it was an interesting week, it was, um, this, this message was for me just as much for whoever needs to hear it this morning. Um, and I felt right in the middle of preparing and writing the sermon, I had to share the song that I believe is anointed. Um, it's by Jordan Smith, and it's called Don't Quit. And I think before we transition into this next, the prescription, you need to be encouraged to not quit. To not do the same things you have always done, but to not quit and to move forward into a new day. So I would like to share this beautiful, beautiful song by Jordan Smith with you right now for a couple moments. Not just David, not just you, but even Jesus had troubled heart symptoms. Jesus experiences, experienced what we experienced, what we experienced today, but he didn't quit. David didn't quit. Jesus followed through with the greatest act of love, dying for each and every one of us while we were still sinners. 
He didn't run away. He didn't hide. He didn't shut down. He didn't quit. And we must follow in Jesus' example and David's example in order to begin fighting off these symptoms. We need to learn how to overcome the disillusion and the most difficult of days. And we need a biblical prescription for a troubled heart. And there's good news today. Psalm 69 doesn't end at verse 12. <laughs> it doesn't end at verse 12. So what does God have to tell us to start doing? In verses 1 through 12, we see David beating on God's chest. God has a big chest. He could take it. And I'd encourage us all to lay everything that troubles our heart at his feet. He's clearly troubled. But what does David turn to next? Let's continue reading in verses 13 through 18. He says, But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor and your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate me, from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me or the depths swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, Lord, out of the goodness of your love. In your great mercy, turn to me. Do not hide your face from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in trouble. Come near and rescue me. Deliver me because of my foes. The first part of your prescription today, our prescription is to seek the Lord, to seek the Father first. See, see, David does this in this section. Jesus turns to the Father in his moment and says, Lord, Take this cup from me. He seeks the Father. We need to seek the Lord. He says, I pray to you. I'm going through all these things, but I pray, I implore you, in the time of your favor, when you see your timing, and he acknowledges the truth. There is power in proclaiming the truth when you seek the Lord. That God has great love for David. God has great love for you. It's okay to ask God to answer you too, by the way. God, please answer me. It's being honest. It's being real with your Savior. He knows already what you want. Just ask him. Rescue me from the mire. Deliver me. Don't let me drown. Desperately seek the Lord. Eagerly, intentionally seek the Lord. Ask God to answer you. Acknowledge his timing may not be your own, but ask him to answer you. Ask him to have mercy on you. Acknowledge his love for you. This is so important. Do not hide your face from your servant. Ask him to draw near to you. Take the time to sit in him and draw near to him. Come near. Deliver me. That only happens when we take the time to seek and to sit. Draw near to him. And I would add to it, when you do these things, when you seek the Lord, when you pray, when you tell him what is going on, and you listen, I would add this, do what you can do. Do what the Lord leads you to do next. First, seek him, pray, sit, reveal your heart to him, let him examine your heart, and then follow through with whatever is going to help you and keep you accountable with continuing this process. Phone a friend, phone a mentor, a spiritual leader in your life. Get help, take care of yourself. Make self-care a priority, and I don't mean that by filling your schedule. I'm just going to pick on ladies because I'm a lady myself, but filling your schedule with going to the spa or going shopping and all this stuff. That's not the self-care I'm talking about this morning, but, but I'm talking about actually dealing with the things that trouble your heart. Get healthy spiritually, physically. Don't quit. We see with David that 
Defeating a troubled heart begins with seeking God with a wholehearted and open honesty. God can take it, like I mentioned, he has broad shoulders. He can take on all of our burdens all at once, the world's burdens all at once. But we turn to him and start there. Give him today what you're burdened with. Seek the Lord. Make it an intentional practice in your life. But the prescription for a troubled heart doesn't end there. Because we see that towards the end of the psalm that David immediately switches gears. And this is where gratitude comes in. You're wondering, okay, we're talking about gratitude. Where does gratitude fit in with this? There's a deliberate and intentional step in part two of our prescription today to go home with. And we're going to pick up in verse 29, skip down to verse 29. David continues and he gets to this part where he says, But as for me, I, David, I'm afflicted and in pain. May your salvation, God, protect me. Look at verse 30. I will praise God's name in song and glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull with its horns and hooves. The poor will see and be glad. You who seek God, may your hearts live. The Lord hears the needy and does not despise his captive people. <laughs> the next step is to practice praise and gratitude. Practice praise and gratitude. Don't sit in your struggle. Turn your struggle into praise and thankfulness in your life. <laughs> you see, that this is key. He says, you know, those who seek God, may your hearts live. No longer be troubled, but when you seek God, your hearts are going to live. The more you make this an intentional thing in your life to address the symptoms that trouble your heart, your hearts are going to no longer be diseased with trouble, but they're going to start to live and experience the power and presence of God in a new way. Don't sit in your struggle. Turn your struggle into praise. Thanksgiving is going to come, right? And you might have a dry and overdone turkey. You're probably not if you're the cook in the family going to turn and, okay, well, guys, hold on. I need another four hours. I need to go run to the store, get, you know, a thawed turkey. Is that even possible? And put it in the oven and cook it. I need to try and fix this thing. You're probably not going to go start roasting another turkey if you get a dry one. Instead, you're going to turn to practicing praise and gratitude in your own home. You're going to say, Thank the Lord for the sides, right? I'm a side person anyway, amen? Uh, anyone got any sides? Okay, I like sides. Praise the Lord for dessert, right? Praise, for, praise the Lord for these things. Praise the Lord for family. Praise the Lord for God's goodness and his provision in my life. Praise the Lord for a roof over our heads, right? If you have a dry turkey on Thanksgiving, you're not going to go and make another turkey. You're going to find a reason to praise the Lord and be thankful on Thanksgiving. David doesn't just sit in the struggle. He doesn't go and try and fix all these issues and things. He realizes they're out of his control. They're out of his hand. He needs to give them to God. He's upset about them. He doesn't want them to be going on in his life. He doesn't want to feel this way, but he, he doesn't try to fix it. He gives it to God. He realizes and he knows that God is good and that God loves him. And he knows that God's way is best, even though he doesn't like the situation he's in. And before he sees an answer to his prayer, in the same breath, he starts praising God. Because what happens is he, I think David knows that when we shift the focus off of our troubles and onto God, we are reminded of who God is. 
We are reminded of the truth that he created us. He loves us. He calls us his sons and daughters. He has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He has prepared a place for those who love him and serve him. And regardless of our situation, regardless of our past, he is doing those things. He does promise those things. And when we acknowledge and recognize that God is present and can heal and deliver us, we are reminded of his great love for us. And when we praise him through these situations, praise gives us strength to continue. Praise gives us power. Thanksgiving and gratitude helps us have the right perspective on a good God that is moving and is working, even though we cannot see it at the moment. And David writes that praising God and thanking him is far greater than any other offering we could give him while we wait on him. Notice that he says it's greater than any bull, any, any um, ox that he could offer to the Lord. Because when we praise God in the storm, it bears witness to our faith in Jesus, to those around us. And, and this is greater than any offering we could give to the Lord. Is because it draws our hearts closer to his while others' eyes are being directed in his direction. Because when we go through troubled symptoms or troubled heart symptoms and situations that don't work out the way we want, the world witnesses this, our family witnesses this, our friends witness this. They see how it affects us. But if we turn in the moments of our struggle to praise and gratitude, even if, if, we, even if we don't even feel like it, even if we haven't received the answer we want, it's confusing. It's intriguing, and they go, how? And the only reason how is Jesus, and this glorifies him and magnifies him in your situation, in your lives, and you give all the credit and the praise and honor to him. This reminds me, this praising God in the storm reminds me of the song by Casting Crowns, Praise You in the Storm. I'm sure several of you are, are familiar with it. And, and the, the artist writes, well, as the thunder rolls, I can barely hear God whisper through the rain. I can barely see what God is doing. I don't really know what he's working, but, but he says, I'm with you. And as God's mercy falls, as the situation, the storm's still raging, I choose to raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. Why? Why will I praise God in the storm? Because he is who he is. You are who you are, no matter what situation I'm in, no matter who I am, every tear I cry or have cried, he holds in his hands. He takes it. He can take it. He has never left me, nor will he. And even though my heart is troubled, even though my heart is torn, I will choose to praise you in the storm because I know that praising gets me through. Praising gives me the right, true, truth perspective of who God is and how he's working in my life. And that he is a reminder that he is carrying you through and he will continue to carry you through. And that is a huge reason to praise him and to give him thanks and to honor him with our gratitude. Before the Lord answers, before our troubled heart problems all cease, start to practice praise and thankfulness for the good God who is carrying you through this season. It may be hard to feel him. It may be hard to hear him and see him, but he is with you. All of us this morning have experienced troubled heart symptoms, and, and some of us this morning walked in with some. What if you stop pushing it aside, checking out, quitting, overfilling your schedule? What if you actually take the lessons from David, from Jesus, and actually apply them to our lives? We, we begin to seek the Father with an open and earnest and eager honesty and bring before him our burdens, truly desiring to lay them down and to trust him and making that an intentional practice. What if 
What if we follow that through with praise and gratitude? It would help our perspective through the storm, I think. It would strengthen us. It would give us courage. It would give us joy through the difficulty. May we be a people that is willing to dig deep, be real with the Lord, and deal with things that trouble with the heart, not just cast them aside. And may we be reminded and praise and thank God for his goodness, his love, the truth of his promises that still are true today. They haven't left us. They are still here for us. And we can claim his promises that he has laid out for us in his word this morning. We can believe what he says of us, his children, this morning. And may we start to experience a powerful healing that God provides to a troubled heart to those that seek him. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We praise you for being a good father, that your promises still reign true in our lives today. And today we choose to lay down our burdens, to seek you. God, I pray that each and every one of us would be intentional in seeking the Father this week, to bringing before the great physician things that trouble our hearts. And in that moment that we would turn our hearts to the truth, that you love us, that you sent your son for us, that your promises about who we are and who we're created to be and, and how you see us and, and what you're calling us to and, and your plans for us for the future, they are still just as true today as they were years ago. Help us to turn our struggle into praise and gratitude as we enter this season, um, this holiday season of anticipating a time of thanksgiving. And God, help us to be reminded and filled with strength and power that comes from your Holy Spirit as we praise you, as we are thankful for a God who loves his children. Help us to remember and realize that you are truly carrying us through whatever life situations we are going through. God, we love you. We praise you for truly being a good father. And we pray against the enemy's efforts to get us to believe anything other than that. God, may you, you go with us, encourage us, and may we truly honor and magnify you in our lives and bring thanksgiving for who you are and how you are working, even in the midst of life's difficulties. God, we praise you in the midst of life's storms. Be with us and bless this church family today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to continue in our worship this morning of our tithes and offerings. And um, we know that God is blessing and providing for our church and is going to uh, just continue to do that. And we know that he loves a cheerful heart as we give and that heart of worship as we give. So this is a time that we um, devote to that. If you are prepared for that, if you have a blue card to connect with us this morning, um, if you're in-house, we have plates at the exit, so you can um, drop off your tithes and your offerings there. Uh, we also have a way to give online at oakridgewc.com slash give. Um, there's also options to look into like online bill pay and mailing by standard mail as well. And we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your big faith in a big God that does great things, and that is the truth. Um, I hope that you are encouraged today to seek the Father and that next week you'll join us as we learn about what we can be thankful for about the characteristics of the great big God that we serve. So invite a friend. Hope you join us next, next week. Woo! God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you.